Sage's Stories. Welcome to today's episode of Sage's Stories, the official podcast of Sage's, the Society of American Gastrointestinal and Endoscopic Surgeons. Please make sure to hit the like button and subscribe so you can stay up to date with our most recent episode and enjoy the show. Welcome to the second episode of Sage's Stories, where we shine the light on some of Sage's most impactful leaders. I'm your co-host, Dr. Kevin L. Hayek, coming to you from fantastic Cleveland, Ohio. And I'm Dr. Sharin Tofai, joining you from sunny California. Today's guest is Dr. Leanne Feldman. She's joining us from Montreal, Canada. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Are you really in Montreal or are we? I'm, I'm really in Montreal. We, we can't really, we can't, we can't really leave. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. How, how are you doing in Montreal? How is, um, are you seeing patients? You're operating? Yeah, I, we're, we're sort of, you know, probably a few weeks behind you guys, in, at least in California. Um, but we're sort of on the, the upswing again. So we're, we're getting organized again. But so far, yeah, we're operating, we're seeing patients. So, you know, we, we have to actually put this disclaimer that you are, you are officially a podcast pro because <laughs> this, you, you are now this, the guest of the second episode of Sage's Stories, which means you've done as many podcasts in a month as we have done in our entire history, <laughs> which is two, by the way. So, uh, but, but that does make you a, uh, a podcast pro. I don't know if you realize that. I, th- I think we've all done one podcast. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> second. I'm with so you. we actually, we had the chance to listen to your hot off the press podcast from the Canadian journal of surgery podcast, cold steel. And, and I do have to hit, tip my hat to the, to the host cause they stole some of our thunder in, in getting to you first. So I would definitely direct our listeners to that podcast on cold steel as it was fantastic. Sharon and I will do our best to cover some different topics than uh, Amir and Chad did. Yeah, it's only fair the Canadians get the first shot at you. (laughs) That's true, it's true. So on Sage's Stories, we are a podcast that really wants to focus on the story behind our guests. I love hearing stories. It's one of the best parts of what I do as a surgeon. And so we're really excited to get to know your story because it's pretty amazing. Um, Let me just say, many of our listeners already know you are the current president of SAGES, and as a side gig, you're also professor-in-chief of the Division of Surgery at McGill University and program director of the Minimally Invasive Surgery Fellowship. So they're super lucky to have you in their leadership. Maybe you can first start by telling us a a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and what is your story? Yeah, I, I will. And I, I think there's a, I, there's a bit of, um, I know where you, the introduction part, um, I'm not the program director anymore, but I know that's because of Google and I, they did the same thing on the cold steel. Um, but uh, now the, I've handed the reins over to uh, Melina Vasiliou for that. We, we, we do have a great depth here. We're lucky and uh, she's doing a great job with that. Ah, so we were Fooled by Google, again, we should have known better. So your actual title is the Edward W. Archibald Professor and Chair of the Department of Surgery 
at McGill University and Surgeon-in-Chief at the McGill University Health Center. Um, my story, how I got started in, in SAGES or just uh, in SAGES? Um, how, about, how about take us back, you know, even further than that. Just tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, where you grew up and, and mm -hmm. kind of, you know, your journey. Yeah. Um, well, I'm, I'm almost, a, I'm at McGill University in Montreal. I'm, I'm almost with a brief time away. I'm, I'm almost a, a McGill lifer here. Yeah. Um, I, um, I grew up in Montreal. I love the city. Um, I love the diversity in the city. We have a uh, great uh, uh, history in Montreal and Quebec. It's a francophone uh, city, francophone province. Bien sûr. Oui, c'est ça, exactement. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I love living here and, um, uh, you know, born and bred. Uh, my, my parents are, uh, my mother's also Montrealer. My father came from Toronto uh, to do his residency. He's a psychiatrist and met my mom and, oh, cool. and uh, they stayed. And, um, you know, so, I, but I, I always, it was always my dream to, to be a doctor. I, you know, my mom says that since I was, you know, three or four years old, I think, uh, I did ask it for uh, when somebody asked me, this is my mom's version, but when somebody asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, I said a nurse. And that person said, uh, why not a doctor? And I said, well, can girls be doctors? Oh. And um, although I think our kids would sort of say the opposite now. Can <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, so I was just really passionate about it. It was my dream. It was, it's always been my dream. And um, yeah, so I, I, that's, it was always my goal. And I'm, I feel so fortunate that I was able to, um, uh, to get there. That's really fabulous. So fun fact, I actually applied to McGill for medical school. Um, my mentor at the time in undergraduate was this doctor at UCLA, Dr. Saleh, and he was the most intelligent and the most loved doctor in the entire campus. And I want to be exactly like him. So, okay, where'd you go to medical school? I want to go there. Um, so I did, I did, uh, apply to uh, McGill's. So I almost went there. Um, mm. but, uh, maybe you can kind of tell us how McGill kind of shaped your current experience and your journey, because you met a lot of really amazing people in McGill and they've been very influential in who you are now. Well, I, I, yeah. And, um, I, besides obviously my classmates who, you know, we meet our peers are often very influential and obviously we, we all made great friends in medical school. I'm still great friends with so many. And also I think in Montreal or maybe in Canada, we, we tend not to maybe um, be as mobile as you guys. And um, so I work with a lot of the people I went mm -hmm. to school with um, around me, which is great. Um, I, I do recall that a person that ended up having a very big influence on me uh, was Jerry Freed. And I remember that uh, is a as a first year medical student, I don't know about you guys, but I really did not like my first year of medical school because I <laughs> did not I, like undergraduate experience. I loved it. And I, I, I was at Brown in Providence, Rhode Island, and it was very kumbaya and we were all there to learn and be better people and so forth. And then- And no grades, right? And uh, yeah, you could take everything pass fail. Yeah. But, uh, well, you wouldn't take your pre-med classes pass fail maybe, but uh, <laughs> everything else you could take. and and. So when I got to medical school, I was, I was honestly, because it was always had been my dream, I would say it was a bit of an adjustment um, that first year. And um, 
as we sat in these big, big amphitheaters and, and with, you know, had, had people lecturing at us, um, most of it was, was, was not the most um, inspiring, let's say. But I do remember we had a, the person that came to, to talk to us about GI hormones was Jerry Freed. And I remember, and I don't know, you know, why you remember these things, but it was just an actually interesting, engaging lecture that made sense um, that, that I could connect with maybe what I imagined to be sort of clinically relevant. So that was your, that was your first year of yeah. medical school? Yes. He came okay. to give like a one hour lecture. And I just said to myself, this is actually an interesting lecture. And this is, seems like a pretty good person. And of course that, that became, he's been my, my mentor really uh, ever since. So that I just, uh, that was somebody that I remember that did have an impact that I remember. That's why it's so important for surgeons to be involved in the first two years of medical school. Mm. Yeah. That's a great don't point. For, that often. And for, for our, our listeners, I think most will know, but, but Dr. Freed is, is clearly the, the brain behind what many of us know as FLS or fundamentals of laparoscopic surgery, among other things. And, seemingly following in his footsteps, uh, Leanne, you, you co-developed Fuse, and, and we heard a lot about that from, from the, the last podcast, but, um, you know, what, what happened from there, you know, you met him when you were first year, did you, how did you, uh, did you approach him when you were a medical student, and then that relationship developed, or, or you know, how did that further, you know, blossom, because it, it truly is, it's fascinating to hear that. That's a really, I think we all, you know, I, I don't know how, our mentors choose us or we choose our mentors. And if we're lucky, we've had, we've had uh, mentors along the way. And I certainly feel you know, very fortunate that, that I did have a, a great role model uh, and someone that I felt was always looking out for me. But I, um, I, I, you know, I, I applied to, 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 to residency in general surgery, obviously at McGill. Um, and I think, I may have actually just been randomly matched with him. Yeah. You know, and who knows how these things work, but I do remember. That's, that's a lottery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or maybe, maybe, maybe not. But I, I just remember, I don't remember that it was um, some, I think it was actually part of the, part of the, the program. But I do remember that um, as, a, as a second year resident, um, and I don't remember that we met really regularly but I do remember as a second year resident, he invited me and who's now, and Hillel, who's my husband now, but we weren't uh, married then, um, to, um, to, to his home with, with him and Karen and uh, uh, for Friday night dinner. And I remember another thing, I just remember sitting on his, his sofa and uh, with Hillel and, and, and just starting to get to know them. And they were the most, and, and Karen, as many many sages folks uh, know, Karen with Jerry because she traveled with him a lot, and and just the most uh, outgoing, uh, generous, fun uh, people, and and so I think that was uh, I'm not sure if he picked me or I picked him, but um, you know I, I think part of what he demonstrated was um, the, um, the 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 really key role that family uh, played and 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 non. I mean, I love, you know, I loved working with Jerry clinically and he's a really good doctor and excellent surgeon and, and, you know, like a person that you wanted to be with in the OR, you know, he never got, um, he was never um, angry in the OR. He loved to be in the OR. 
And so that that really, you know, rubbed off. But he also, um, you know, when he wasn't on call, he wasn't in the hospital. When um, he, he loved to play sports, uh, he talked about his kids, he talked about his wife, we knew his wife. So, I mean, and not, I don't think it was on purpose, but he modeled sort of a person who um, loved his work, um, was passionate about it and happy. Um, and, and, and I think he modeled that, that um, you know, being able to, to fit all those things in um, really well. That's really amazing. I think happy surgeons are always great mentors and role models. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the reverse is probably also, yeah, <laughs> also true. <laughs> Keep the unhappy surgeons away from our trainees. Yeah. Um, so did you meet Hillel because of Jerry Free? Uh, no, no, no. We, okay. um, we met, uh, I was uh, just right in, I think at the beginning of my second year of medical school, we just met through a friend um, but, uh, we weren't married. We got married at the end of when I just uh, went into the lab and in, in the beginning of my third, third year. And did you get involved at Sages <clears throat> at Sages because of Jerry? Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. I got involved at Sages because of Jerry. I think as, as many people did, um, you know, I was his, I ended up being his fellow. That's another kind of story how that, how that happened. But, um, yeah, in, uh, 1999, uh, I was his fellow, and he uh, brought me to the meeting in San Antonio with Karen again, uh, where we um, where we had a little poster or something like that. And uh, I just uh, I found my people for sure. You know, I think sometimes uh, we don't really hear about about families a lot, and I think it was really neat to hear how impactful his family was in kind of bringing you along in the in those years. Um, Tell us a little bit about your family and 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 that you know the journey that they've taken with you uh, through this. Yeah, well, I guess when you're born into you don't have much of a choice, but they um, I had um, uh, we had Zachary when I was a, a, a chief resident in the middle of my uh, in January my chief resident year, and I remember at the time my program director was uh, I was I was I was nervous to tell her that I was pregnant mm. uh, because I thought you know it's going to really mess up her schedule and 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 I I didn't I was a little bit sheepish but she was so she was so positive and welcoming and and in my residency I would say everybody was really accommodating and um, and you know made it made it easy um, and then um, we had, I had a, a second child, Ariel, our daughter in, uh, when I was a fellow. Uh, and that was probably the, the most straightforward just because nobody really needs you as a fellow. <laughs> uh, you're just sort of in the way. So uh, that, was, that was good. And then we had Jonah, the third, the baby, uh, who's 18 now, uh, when, um, when I was fairly early in practice. And that was probably the one that was, mo you know, sort of the, probably the most difficult to, to figure out because, you know, you're in practice and now you're, other people are kind of um, covering for you and, and helping with your patients. Um, but um, yeah, and uh, you know, I, I think it, at the beginning, um, you guys have, do you guys have kids or? I have three, three kids and you might, you might hear them playing piano in the background. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 There, there'd be about around 12, 10 and four. Right. Oh my, I have two goddaughters and they're 
an entire continent away. So right, okay. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's very it was very it's obviously very chaotic, but yeah. um, you know, it's the beginning of. I think you know, I, I think it it we had a lot, a lot of help, uh, a lot of help, uh, family and professional help uh, to help with the kids. Uh, to help us, and Hillel, my husband is a is a, is a lawyer. He 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 worked he works he still works very hard as well. And and you know we had a lot we had a lot of help, and we you know we, we, it was it was pretty busy and chaotic at the beginning of your career, and you're trying to do your research, and you're 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 doing all this stuff at the same time. But you know it it it, it is a time, and and it, and it passes, and uh, we're at a different stage now. Um, but. Uh, uh, one of the things that I think for us for family time and one of the things we're lucky about in, in Montreal and, and a lot of places like this is that we have uh, a place that we could go to on the weekend uh, when, when, when we could, which is about an hour and a half north of the city, which is a really great uh, aspect of, of Montreal. It's like a lake cottage country or lake, lakes, a lot of lakes, it's skiing. And that really, that was really where we had our, our, our family time. How soon did you get involved in the society itself? And uh, how did you kind of work your way through the ranks to be now president? Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, well, it's kind of funny. Um, so I started in, in 1999, just being a SAGES member. Um, and I, I just, also, and I really put, I, I focused on SAGES as my surgical society. Um, and and my, my journey is, is, you know, I think like a lot of, um, things it it's a little bit like you know um, maybe it's not a ladder to the top it's more of a jungle gym or maybe you go up and down a little bit or around and around a few times so so one thing that I that happened to me um, is that I, I I was really wanted to um, in my academic work be sort of do surgical outcomes work and at the time there was a um, an outcomes committee it was um, chaired by Bill Traverso who was like a guru in this area, read all his stuff and he was the chair. And I, I'm sure Jerry had a lot to do with it, but I ended up being on that committee. Um, mm -hmm. And it was like, I, I have the letter like from Sages, congratulations and welcome you to the committee. Aww. Yeah, and uh, so you know how it is on a committee, like you you, you have to participate, still the same at Sages and- uh, uh, Very active participation. Yeah, so yeah. I the first time I went, I was not on the committee yet. I was sort of auditing it, so it doesn't really count. And then uh, the the next time it was a Sages meeting, I I I wasn't able to go. I had had actually it was early in my career. I had had a a, dip, a very difficult situation clinically, and I wasn't able to attend the meeting, so I missed that one. And then the next um, the next American College meeting was September 11th, right after September 11th. And it was in, uh, so we, people weren't really traveling. It was October of that year, so I didn't go. So I missed, I missed all the meetings. And then I got like six months later, another letter from Sages says, thank you so much for participating in the committee, uh, but we're going to rotate you off. But thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, they thanks take for, it seriously. Thanks no thanks. Yeah. yeah. Thanks so that was no my thanks. first foray into committee <laughs> work. And, uh, you know, and, and so I was really, I was really disappointed. Um, and um, you know, for the next few years, um, of course, I I was just I loved attending the meeting. I ended up we ended up for our research group, um, you know, really presenting, focusing on presenting our stuff at Sages. Um, and I think some of the things that that get you noticed at the meeting, 
our, our stuff, like just, you know, going to the sessions, uh, asking questions, going up to the mic, especially in the little paper sessions where you really meet other people kind of doing the same stuff that you do, a lot of young people. Um, and, and that was basically um, what, what I did for, for several years at Sages until I got another opportunity to, to join a committee it was the QOS or Quality Outcomes and Safety Committee. Um, and at that point, uh, I was asked by, um, I was on that committee for a few years. And then um, when Steve Schweitzberg was the incoming president, his main project was going to be FUSE. And he tapped Dan Jones um, to lead that. I'm sure you all know Dan. Um, oh, yeah. And, and, and then I was asked to join as a co-chair with Pascal Fuchshuber, I think as the education type of person in that group. Mm -hmm. and, and, and then through that, I was made co-chair of QOS because FUSE was originally housed as a, as a task force of QOS. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, when uh, it became its own project, I co-chaired um, the FUSE uh, committee and the FUSE project with Pascal and, and Dan was the chair. Um, so that was probably the first. And, you know, I think it's the kind of project, I think looking back, um, it, it's nice to be given a project that kind of has a deliverable, that that's a beginning and an end, that, that, that you, you know, it has a lot of work, it's got a lot of retreats, and there's a lot of work to do. And, and um, if you're the, you, you do the work, and people say, thank you for doing the work, and the SAGE staffers kind of notice you for doing the work. Um, and, and then you have this thing that you can deliver and it, it's done. And then Dan is very good at that. He's a, a great um, starter and a great finisher, great closer. Not, you know, not everybody can see a project to the end. Um, I think and yeah, so that, yeah. That's just great uh, advice. I think, especially as we look at so many of the projects that come across these committees, uh, it sounds like you would say, choose the, the, the projects that have a defined uh, yeah. beginning and end. Yes. Yeah, I think that helps also in your um, in your visibility. And of course, then once you're a co-chair or chair, you start to be invited to the leadership retreat, or you may have to present something to the board, you know, so I think that's, that's you know, that's um, where you have the opportunity uh, to make an impact. Now, to be honest, I knew nothing about energy, nothing about electricity, physics, all that stuff. So I definitely had to really study <laughs> And really learn it through the fuse program um and that's another thing i think that i've learned along the way and we all right when they, when you're asked to write a book chapter maybe and we all were as residents or fellows stuff that you don't really know you're not an expert in you sit down and you review the literature and you read everything there is to know about it and you watch all the videos and then you you are the expert you are the yeah. expert and i think say yes to things uh, because you you know, you don't know where it's going to land you. And now FUSE, which is fundamental, fundamentals of surgical energy is now mandatory as part of surgical education. That's a big deal. Yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not uh, mandated by the, by the board, the way FES and FLS is, but the fellowship council is mandating it. It's part of our SAGES um, certification and fellows. And it's also a great, and anybody, I would make a little pitch for SAGES, uh, for SAGES, for FUSE, because all the didactics, like all the fundamentals didactics, there's no, there's no cost to, to go through them. You can use it for CME, it's got built-in questions. And then you, if, you, if you wanna get the certification, 
then uh, go ahead and get the certification. It's, you know, it's an exam and stuff like that, but just to learn, to learn it, I think it's really worthwhile. So I'm going to, I'm going to shift gears just briefly to, to, to talk a little bit about your, your work in education. I, I, one of the hats I wear is a third year medical student clerkship director. And I love that despite all the many responsibilities you have and had, you clearly invested in the program. Uh, even though you're no longer the program director, clearly you were for a long time because it still says it on Google. Yeah. So uh, in, in that in in the clerkship role, uh, I, I often come across students who, you know, they're torn between medical and surgical field. They'll come in and say, "I haven't decided whether I'll do a medical field or surgical field." And I'm 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 often very uh, pleased when we've converted someone to choose surgery. Um, and so you must also run into many medical students. So how do you counsel undecided students on, on choosing a, a field? I think it's, I think it's, it's an emotional decision. I think it's, we choose, I mean, I think, I think these things are chosen by the heart in many ways. Um, you know, when, when, when I chose to, when I decided to go into surgery, because it was, it was definitely my dream. Uh, my main role model, model besides my parents was, was Hawkeye Pierce from MASH and I wanted to be like them, minus the alcoholism. <laughs> but, uh, but with, you know, with the healthy uh, cynicism there um, and, and humor. Um, but then I kind of convinced myself not to do that for, for many reasons, you know, quote unquote, lifestyle reasons, that, that kind of thing. And then I did my surgery rotation. I did it very late in, in, in my um, clerkship. And I just, in the OR and given things to do in the OR and just, it just clicked for me. I just really, I really felt that that was a way I wanted to dedicate my life, you know, despite, despite the ups and downs and being a surgeon is hard. I don't just mean the hours. I mean, emotionally, um, you know, uh, we get, we get the highs and we get the lows. And there are things that I think that we all, um, we all have experienced with patients that they never go away. You know, they, you, you, you incorporate them and, and you learn from them or they, they affect you forever. And uh, I think in a way that I think probably is unique uh, to, to working with your hands and, and having patients put that kind of trust into you. Um, but when I, when I talk to students, I think if they love to be in the OR, then that's what they should, should focus on. And, and, and I think you do really need to love to be in the OR because otherwise I, it's probably not worth it to convince yourself otherwise. And I think one of the one of the maybe um, losses that we've experienced uh, over the time that I've um, been in, um, you know, on faculty in a teaching role, is less time that we have with students and less time that they have to see like what it's like to be on call, what it's like to work at night, what it's like to be alone, what it's like to be the first call to the trauma, um, and and to really live that. And, and, and to make your decisions based on that. Not that we had so much information, but I feel like we had a little more knowledge of what that was like. Um, and, yeah. what I, and what I think it's unfortunate that, you know, there's not as much call, maybe on an elective or something like that for people that really seek it out. Um, but I hope that people, I think you need to know what you're getting yourself into, but if you love it, um, if you think you love it, if you're passionate about it, if you dream about it, like I think we all do, even now, 
you know, I come home, I watch videos. It's weird. You know, I'm an, a surgery nerd. I watch <laughs> videos. videos. I watch the Facebook videos. I watch them. I love them. Um, you know, I like to read about surgery. I like to think about surgery. I like to do surgery. I like to talk about surgery. So, I mean, it's, there are other, I like to do a lot of different things too, but I mean, I feel very privileged to, to be doing something that I'm, I'm really passionate about. And that we, you know, like we work at it, we work at it and we get better at it and we see that. So there's that immediate reward and the relationship with the patients is unique. One thing I do donor nephrectomy surgery, there's a long story there as well, but there's not, there's nothing like being involved in, 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 you know, a life altering, you know, interaction, a procedure that changes people's lives. I mean, I just, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for anything. And I think if you, when you see a student and they, and, and that's the, the, the little hint that they get, then they should really think about it. And what's the advice you give to your general surgery residents that want to go into MIS fellowship and a future? I feel that there's two types of candidates when we're interviewing for our fellowship, there's one, one bucket of candidates that they just want to be better general surgeons and provide general care, acute care surgery, et cetera with minimally invasive approaches. And then there's another one where they want to excel in a specific niche within MIS, whether it's bariatric or colorectal, hepatobiliary, um, adrenal. What are your, how do you guide those? And what do you tell them about the MIS fellowship? That's a great, that's a great question. Yeah, and you're right. That, that, that does, that does, I agree that that, that does seem to be um, how things have evolved. We also have that, that group that wants to be foregut surgeons. Uh, well, benign foregut surgeons for the most part um, as a specialty or hernia, uh, but you, you know, um, of course. course. Um, Yeah, I I mean- Everyone wants to be a hernia surgeon. And everyone wants to be an HPV surgeon. (laughs) Or hepatobiliary, yes. That would be their second choice. (laughs) Yeah, that's so hard. I, I don't think we specifically seek out any specific person. Um, I think, I think I like when a person at that stage and that's the nice thing about fellowship is, is you've, you've have some idea of what you actually want. Um, and I think for our fellowship specifically at that point, we're, we're here to, uh, to design something for our fellow that will meet their, will meet their needs. Uh, I think you're right about the acute care surgery though. Um, you know, I think it's a great skill set to have when you're doing emergency general surgery. I think that, and I, I would like to see, I know SAGES is definitely, we have an acute care surgery task force and, and, uh, and we do have a lot of stuff on, 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 on that. Uh, but I, I think that's one of the big, big skill sets that, that, that we use every day. So by the time this podcast drops, we will have successfully uh, completed the first in-person SAGES meeting since the beginning of the pandemic. And the deadline for abstracts for 2022 will be September 24th, which uh, is like a few weeks after that, yikes. Uh, So you will be presiding over the meeting in Denver, Colorado, March 16th, uh, 16th through 19th, which is right around the corner as well. Uh, Your your influence in shaping the meeting will also influence the flavor and, and funness of the meeting, let's say. So I think one of the huge challenges year after year is putting together a program with new content. And that's certainly gonna be a little bit more challenging given how close these meetings are between 2021 and 2022. So can you tell us how the 2022 meeting planning is coming along? 
what's the theme? What are going to be some of the new features that uh, will make us get those abstracts in on time? <laughs> yes, please get the abstracts in. I know it's it's it is this August meeting. Obviously, it was postponed from our normal spring meeting with the hope that we would at least have um, we would be able to be in person. Um, Right, and, and then we have six months till the next meeting. And I, I hats off to Sage's staffers for sure uh, who kind of keep it all under control. Uh, they're planning, you know, they've this meeting and last year's meeting too, the one that went virtual, uh, which was Rory, uh, Dr. Pryor's meeting, was planned and replanned, I think, three times. And this one's planned and replanned three times. And yeah. who knows what's going to be for 22, uh, 2022. I think we're, we're getting better. Uh, we, we have a little bit more of a hybrid option, uh, but by necessity uh, for this one, for 2021. Uh, 2022, the theme is Welcome Home to Sages. Uh, we were hoping that we would be, and we still hope, obviously, that we'll be at a different phase uh, of the pandemic. Uh, I think at the bottom line is we need to learn how to deal with the pandemic. It's going to be here for a while. I think that's going to be, that's what we've learned and we we need to as the innovative surgical society figure out how to do deliver a a, a a safe educational fun meeting where we can we i think sages it's so much about the community that we have and i think that's why we, we so many people are just really looking forward to being together in person we just get so much energy from and and i think we're you know we at this stage of the pandemic the emotional long haul of the pandemic has is there too, and sort of, you know, trying to get excited about things. Uh, uh, you know, the, uh, Sages is energizing, and I think, you know, so the theme of the meeting will hopefully will still be welcome home to Sages. Uh, we have Archana Ramaswamy, Jake Greenberg as our as our chairs. Um, the meeting gets planned quite far in advance, so most of the meeting is already fleshed out. Um, and uh, I think it'll have all the great things that people expect from Sages, as well as some new things. One of the things that we did a little differently was we did a lot of um, taking ideas from our committee members and members, and there were just amazing, amazing new ideas that came through from there. Uh, so hoping, uh, hoping it attracts everybody. I know it will, um, and uh, looking well, looking forward to it. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's it's going to come up really fast, like you said. Well, we're super excited about that. Um, so you've been president for, it's kind of odd because you're president for next year, even though we still haven't had this year's meeting yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what have you found was the biggest kind of lessons learned in, in moving into that position and dealing with such a huge meeting, international actual meeting? I think, I, I think it's, it's, I'm not sure it's a lesson learned. It's more I mean, I've had the opportunity to really, you know, I've been on the executive committee uh, th through my own choice to, because I, I felt that if I got the opportunity to be president, I really wanted to make the most of the opportunity. It's such a privilege to have that platform, you know, having been the, the treasurer as well, which any other unsolicited advice would be being the treasurer is the great way to understand an organization. So uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I had lessons learned so much as that um, I continue to really be just inspired and energized by sages. I mean, one of the, I guess, lessons learned was, you know, even after a year of, of, of Zoom meetings and, and, and how, how much they take out of you if they're more than like 30 minutes long. Oh yeah. I recall the, the, um, 
the, the board meeting we had uh, in the spring, right at the handover uh, from Horacio to me. And it was literally like an eight hour Zoom meeting. Um, but well, that sounds painful. Come it was on. painful, but you know, we do have 42 committees and task force. Yeah, that's true. That's and true. we have like 800 committee members. I didn't mean that in a bad way. No, 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 it is amazing. And the amount of work that's done uh, by the, 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 you know, by our volunteers and the same for you guys. I mean, what are we, you know, what are we doing here? This is the middle, you know, you're in the middle or the, towards the end of your day. And (laughs) we're having this conversation. You're going to then edit it and work on it and, and, and have that thing to contribute to Sage's. I'm always just so blown away. I mean, I was looking forward to this all day, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and I was too. I was too. highlight of my day. <laughs> yeah, but I just, but I mean, it is, it is, it is such a huge, you know, the amount of work that people do. And that's why I mean, I'm not surprised by it because we've all done it. We've all done that because it's so, we get the pleasure out of it and the, the pleasure of planning something and see it in action. Um, and, and, and that it inter, and the other thing is I've learned so much through sages uh i mean of course technical stuff and surgery stuff but just the leadership stuff yeah and now um you know as chair and uh of our department and and surgeon in chief i i started that role like two months before the pandemic i mean just how to run a meeting uh, how to how to how to you know set out strategic planning how to put a budget together how to sell an idea to your colleagues who might be you know uh not so sure they want that idea that's like, it's like everything I learned about leadership, I learned at Sages type of thing. Um, yeah. Just to go to the board meeting and hear the reports from every committee, um, maybe even the ones that don't, that aren't in the sunshine all the time, that do the kind of the background work that just needs to be done. And, and it's, I just find it super inspiring to hear, and the, I get a lot of energy from, from it. And I'm, that's why I hesitated a bit, it's because I'm not surprised by that. But I do feel as, as president, just so much in the middle of it. Um, and um, yeah, I'm very grateful for the, for the opportunity to do that. So um, Sharon and I had a great time getting to know uh, Horacio more. And of course, uh, I've looked up to our Sages leaders over the year. It really seems like a huge task to run a, a large and impactful society for a year. As these months fly by, uh, how do you measure success for yourself and for sages? That's a great question. We wanna we wanna leave the society a tiny, tiny, tiny bit better than we than we than we received it. As as I think every president and every exec and all the committee chairs and all the leaders and co-chairs do. And and I don't think and I think it's making those incremental improvements are really what what moves Sages forward. I, I really think Sages is in a really good place in terms of our values, the strategic plan that we have in place for the next few years. I did. I do wanna focus, uh, one of our themes this year is, uh, is DEI, um, making sure that we talk the talk, but walk the walk. And as an innovative surgical society, I think we have been working on that for several years, starting with our We Are Sages committee. And even before that, hopefully we'll be in, in, in person for a leadership retreat in November, where that will be one of our main themes. Also, um, just reimagining how the meeting's going to look, uh, really being thoughtful about that, uh, looking at the future of how the society, uh, you know, is financed and is sustainable. So really just thinking of some of those larger strategic questions and making hopefully a contribution in um, 
in educating our, our leadership, continuing to educate our leadership on issues of inclusion, diversity. Uh, I think if I'm able to do that um, and have a meeting in person, <laughs> then I'll, I'll hopefully have uh, uh, make some, some, uh, some contribution to SAGES. I have no doubt you will. I, I just listening to, you know, the, again, the, the, the prior podcast, Amir and Chad, just, you know, these issues that you're about to tackle are just so massive and, and um, Sages has always been right in the front with that stuff. So I, I really, I think it was a great answer. It was kind of what I was thinking as well, but uh, thanks for sharing that. Should we move on to the next segment? Yes. Okay. So we all love SAGES. We think it's the funnest meeting of the year for all the different specialties. As you know, we have a We Are the SAGES sing-off at the end of uh, each session. So we have affectionately called this next segment the We Are the SAGES segment. honor of the annual sing-off at the stages meeting. So we would like to know some fun, crazy, memorable moments that you may have experienced at a stages meeting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm thinking of some things that I probably can't. The podcast is, is a PG podcast. <laughs> yeah, I gotta skip, skip It's rated those, as uh, clean uh, by uh, Apple, so. You know what, I, I so think- far. I, yeah, So far, so far. Yeah, I- uh, I do recall as, I mean, I, I will say that um, Sages is a really fun meeting. Yeah. And I remember the last time we were in Denver, which is going to be a very, very, very long time ago. I, I, I probably did overindulge uh, one of the nights and uh, I, I, I really couldn't make it to the, my 7.30 uh, session. I think uh, either like had a paper, maybe even had a paper that I think, you know, maybe, or maybe, oh, uh, maybe it's just my student had a paper resident, but uh, 7.30 was, uh, was not gonna happen. So that, that was memorable. But um, I think, you know, for me, I love that the sing-off is, is just the epitome of what Sages is about. And, and even just that sweaty mass of, you know, beer drinking, dancing surgeons. I think, you know, if you are, you're used to it, you're like, oh, it's the sing-off. But when you're at your first Sages meeting, you are like, Oh my gosh, what is this? I mean, this is not happening at fill in the blank surgical society. Uh, so I have many memories of just being in that kind of mosh pit, um, listening to that cover band and then seeing, uh, you know, sages, people I respected or, or read all their stuff, read all their books, get up there in, uh, you know, and play guitar and, uh, you know, do their karaoke. I say though those are definitely important stages memories for me. The sing -off. Well, McGill's always had a big, yeah, and a big component as part of the sing off. Mm -hmm. A very talented group. Yeah, it's, it's actually I will give uh, you know kudos there to Chris Lacta, who is also on the exec. He's uh, you guys probably know him. He's a surgeon in London, Ontario. He is he does all the 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 words like he he's the one that does all the writing for you know making the songs and he's really good at it and we usually have like one measly rehearsal uh, but somehow somehow comes together like he's great at that yeah Sage's karaoke is the best yeah well as we close looking back on your career and seeing what's changed so far 
we all believe there's going to be some great things happening in the future. Um, you're, of course, going to be our future leader, and we're so looking forward to Sages 2022. Again, for everyone, it's going to be in Denver, March 16th through 19th. That'll be at the annual Sages meeting. And yeah, it's been a long time since we've been back in Denver. I remember the Denver meeting. Yeah. Um, if I can pull some strings, that September 24th deadline may, if we can yeah. push it back a little bit, that would help all of us. There's got to be an extension this year. Well, be extension. It, it hasn't even come up, I think, because people are so focused on getting through uh, next week. Uh, uh, then, we'll, then we'll talk for sure. Okay. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. So, and for the sake of Brad and Amir, I also have to ask if you would possibly reveal the identity <laughs> the genius bot uh, of the Sage's Twitter account. He slash she slash it is doing an amazing job. Yeah, I agree. But uh, the Sage's know, bot. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, when they, it, he, she hears this, uh, they will. Uh, do their little robot smile and have their little <laughs> robot hands on their back. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's great. And I think it really is the, the essence of sages, which is not, you know, not to take ourselves too seriously at the same time that we know we're, we're doing, uh, uh, we're, we're, you know, that, that, that we're, we're trying to contribute to the house of surgery here, but, um, you know, we also, we also shouldn't take ourselves too seriously. Well put. I guess we won't get the get the answer, but maybe next time. We'll, well try thanks. every time. Yeah. yeah. Thank thanks again so much for, for your time. Oh, it's thank you. It's such a pleasure, Leanne. Thank you. Yeah, thanks to you both. And that wraps up today's episode of Sage's Stories. You can view the show notes for additional information mentioned on the show. Also, please visit sages.org for membership information and for the most recent news from our society. Follow us on Twitter at Sages underscore updates and make sure you hit the like button and subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes tune in again next time and remember you can't spell minimally invasive surgery without sages